Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season two, episode 17 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Know Thy Enemy. And you do need to know your enemy in this stage of the season because people are double and triple crossing at this point. No one is on the same page. At the end of this episode, I think people figure a lot of things out, but there's a lot of crisscrossing happening. And we're going to break it all down. As always, I will start with the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Elena and Alaric both lash out at John when Isabel's unexpected arrival leaves Jenna devastated. Bonnie works with Damon and Jeremy to find the spell they'll need to harness her ancestor's power. A heartbroken Caroline doesn't know what to do about Matt. Stefan and Damon realize they have a new secret weapon. This is one of those shorter synopses. That's all that happens. Each one is hefty. A lot of winding roads within the episode. But we start off where we left off at the end of last episode, which is at the Gilbert house, just after Isabel has arrived on the porch to Jenna's shock. And as if Jenna's not shocked enough, Isabel says to Elena, hey, Elena, nice to see you again. And Jenna immediately clocks the again. Bitch behavior. I mean, that is so fucking rude. And then Isabel just gets ruder because she goes to Jenna and says, oh, so you're the woman who's dating my husband. Jenna should be like, and you're the woman who's dead? Like what? And you're the one who's in the fucking ground, bitch. Like, what are you doing at my house? And then Isabel has the pure audacity to say, I need to talk to Elena. Can I come in? And Elena is like, no, 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 don't. (laughs) Yeah, she said, do not invite her in. And then Isabel's like, please, I want to talk to you. And Elena basically slams the door in Isabel's face. But Isabel has already done a good amount of damage in that 15 seconds. Jenna's crying because it doesn't take long for Jenna to realize that everyone knew that Isabel was alive except for her. Yeah, like it's one thing if Alaric lied because it was complicated. Like, maybe you can work that out. The girl who you're the guardian for knew her birth mother was alive, knew you were dating her ex-husband and didn't feel the need to share that with you. Like, yes, there were reasons why Elena didn't share it, but that's not something Jenna can sense at this point. Like, why would she think she couldn't tell her that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Jenna's crying and she confirms her suspicions, which is that Alaric and John also knew, as well as Elena, that Isabel has been alive this whole time. Elena says that she can explain everything, but Jenna says, nope. And runs into her room, slams the door, and just sits on the floor and cries. And I can't blame her for that. I think that's a perfectly fair reaction to what she just experienced. It's not a good day to be Jenna. It was getting pretty hard for her already, but this really pushed it over the edge. Yeah. So then we go over to the Salvador house where Damon and Stefan are debriefing on the fact that Isabel is here. And Stefan says he's going to go over there to figure out why Isabel might have shown up. And Catherine stops him on the way out the door and says, hey, BTW, like, don't tell Isabel I'm here. It's better that Isabel and John don't know that I stayed in town once I got out of the tomb. Damon says, well, you're the one in cahoots with them. Like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I don't like talking to them. You're the one who does. But she tells them that she was just working with them to get out of the tomb. And now she is reconsidering her alliances. Now, we should never be trusting if Catherine says that. Catherine is in alliances for herself and herself only. And so Stefan asks what she knows. And Catherine says, look, I know I want Klaus dead, which puts me on your team. It makes sense to align with you because of that. 
plus, if I ever swap places with Elena again, it's better the less people know I'm here. So be smart. Don't tell Isabella I'm here, which I get this argument. It's a good point because if we know one thing about Stefan and Damon is they're all about protecting Elena. And so for her to spin this as like, look, you keeping me a secret is actually protecting Elena. They're like, okay. She does a good job. And Stefan, for the moment, accepts this as proof that she is in their alliance. But obviously, they're still keeping her at arm's length, which ends up being pretty smart. Yeah, they're kind of like, okay, those points make sense. So it's possible that you're, you know, willing to do this. But we're still not going to, like, really open it up like we've been burned by you before many, many times. <laughs> and you, and they will be again by the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. And so Stefan says, okay, why don't you guys call Alaric and tell him that his wife just showed up on his girlfriend's doorstep? And then he leaves. Then we go over to the Gilbert house where Alaric has heard this information and has gone over to see Jenna. Elena lets him in, but Elena's like, look, Jenna won't leave her room. So Elena hasn't been able to explain anything. And they're both like, well, we need to explain this. Yeah, like, because clearly this has gotten out of our hands because Alaric and Elena are the ones who like really are at the center of this. So they can make the choice to end this and open this conversation up. And it's kind of the only choice they have left. Yeah. And they get their chance when Jenna comes downstairs, but she immediately makes a beeline for the door and tells Rick to leave. Alaric says, you know, honestly, I cannot imagine what you're going through right now, what you're feeling. And Jenna says, rage and betrayal, pretty much. She's like, it's those two. That's the whole thing. And so Jenna says that she's going to stay on campus because she has a thesis to write and she doesn't want to be at this house. And look, love Jenna, but I feel inclined to remind everyone that last episode, she begged Alaric to tell her everything because she's a parent and she can handle anything. Number one, you're leaving the children you're in charge of, so you're no parent. And second of all, you're not handling this. So I guess you lied, Jenna. Yeah, this is not a good call because, like, I also was watching this like, okay, well, now if John wanted to, like, get custody somehow, that doesn't really seem to be his goal. But this would be all he needed to say, I want my parental rights back, you know? So it's just a little short-sighted. I mean, obviously that doesn't really matter. I think they just need her like out of the house for a little bit for them to deal with all this drama. And also like what, she's sleeping in her office on campus. Like she doesn't have a dorm room. Like she's not that kind of student. Exactly. I think we're meant to believe she's sleeping in her office, which we have to assume if she is a psychology grad student, she doesn't have like a big luxurious office to herself. She probably shares it with like three other people. Yeah, as a grad student myself, let me tell you what my office looks like. I share it with three other people. It's linoleum floors. They're brick walls. So the, the bricks are kind of nice. And then we have a sticker of a window up because you don't get windows. And I'm guessing there's not a couch. Oh, no. I'm lucky to get a chair that has a cushion on it. I stole mine. I didn't get I had a bad chair and stole someone's nicer chair. So, yeah, it, I would not be sleeping in there. For any reason. Especially because just lock yourself in your room, Jenna. Yeah. It seems like they'll just kind of let you deal with it eventually. Like they might knock every hour, but just don't answer. And eventually they'll be like, okay, she needs some space. Or go get a hotel. She doesn't have that much money. She must have gotten an inheritance. That's true, actually. How is she raising these kids? I mean, she must have some money. That's true. But Jenna's mind is made up. She's headed out the door. She tells Elena she needs to go pick up a check from the Historical Society at the Lockwoods for her mom's foundation. Sure. Yeah, why not? 
And Jenna just says she doesn't have it in her to hear any more lies from Elena and Alaric and leaves. And Elena and Alaric are like, well, that went pretty bad. And they're kind of like, well, we don't really have anything else to lie to you about at this point. Like, we're kind of ready to give you the truth now. Like, we're kind of done. There's not much else to do. Then John comes out of the back and he says, let her go. It's better she isn't here with everything going on. It's like, what were you doing? Fucking listening? Fucking asshole. And then John is like, you know, I don't know, maybe, Alaric, if you had been a little bit more honest. And then Rick finally does what everyone should be doing. And he punches John in the face. Yeah, he needed his shit rocked. I mean... He literally was asking for it at this point. Like he was, he was saying, begging. He was like, well, look, you should have told the truth. Please hit me. I am begging you. I need to feel something. I need to feel like a man. I am being walked all over by Isabel and my 16 year old daughter who hates me. Yeah. Everyone hates me. Everyone's walking all over me. I just need to feel. Please punch me in the face to feel something. I need to feel like at least I'm a threat to someone and I need to be punched in the face. I think it'll really knock some some shit into place and Alaric obliges (laughs) yeah Alaric's nothing if not kind (laughs) then Alaric says sorry Elena and leaves and Elena turns to John and she says you know this is all your fault right and then she goes upstairs so John it's another day of being hated by everyone John's like okay well that went about as I expected it to he said awesome (laughs) great day So then we go over to the Forbes house. Caroline is leaving and she's on the phone with Stefan. She's catching him up. She says she can't find Matt. Her mom walked in when they were fighting and he took off. So she just let him go. Foolish. Yeah, no, I would have left and grabbed him because he clearly was not ready to deal with that on his own. Yeah. (laughs) So Caroline confirms for Stefan that her mom didn't hear anything. She just thinks that her and Matt are fighting, but... Matt knows about Caroline now, and he's freaking out about Vicky. During this scene, we're also getting some nice, subtle shots of the Ford Fiesta that she drives, in case you forgot that this is a show sponsored by Ford. Stefan says, hey, find Matt, calm him down, compel him. Does he have Vervain? And she's like, well, I usually give him Vervain at work, but I didn't last night, so he doesn't have Vervain in his system. And he has a catering shift to the Lockwood, so I'll try there. And Stefan says, awesome. He's like, great, take care of that. And then Caroline tries to call Matt, but gets his voicemail and she goes off on her merry way. Yeah, she calls him with her very fancy Bluetooth phone system in her Ford Fiesta. Yeah, you can tell that the screen in the car in like 2011 was like as high tech as it got. But watching it in 2021, it's like, oh, this was like the beginning of those kind of systems, but they still used like the single color LED. Yeah, it's like orange. So it, it's gotten fancier, but, you know, the call went through, so it worked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe I'll go out and buy a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> so then we go over to the Gilbert house where Elena and Stefan are kind of talking about how this day is already kind of going to shit. Elena says that, like, between Isabel, Jenna and Matt, like, things are getting really bad. And then John says, did someone say bad? Hey, I'm still here. Elena, come downstairs so we can talk. It's important. And Stefan can come too. So it's like, well, why wouldn't we be able to talk right here? Why do we have to go downstairs? And the answer is they go downstairs and who has been invited in but Isabel. John just invited her in. His dumbass. I also think it's so funny. Like, Isabel can't walk up fucking stairs. Like, they have to come down to her. I think she just needed them to walk in on her. She just wanted the dramatic effect. It's all for impact. 
Isabel says, hi, I asked John for a do-over. And Elena's like, are you kidding me? You invited her in? She's like, that's not a do-over. You just went to a different person, like, who is up your ass. And John says, no, no, no. See, I invited her in because she has information about Klaus and we should listen. And though they're both annoyed, Stefan's like, well, we kind of need information about Klaus. So sure. What do you know? Well, I'm like, at this point, she's already invited in. You can't unring that bell. So like, sure. Give us your fucking information, I guess. So Isabel says she's been trying to find Klaus because they knew that their best chance to keep Elena alive was to find Klaus before he could find her. John tries to chime in and Elena says, you don't get to talk. He says, fair (laughs) enough. And Stefan says, so did you find Klaus? Yeah. And she says, well, no, nobody knows where he is, but there are rumors flying that a doppelganger exists. So any vampire who needs to get in good with Klaus, which is pretty much every vampire ever, is going to start coming after her. And Elena, smartly, doesn't like immediately buy exactly what they're telling her. She's like, look, last time you were here, you told me you didn't care about me at all. And now you want to help? Like, come on, I'm not a dumbass. Good instinct. And not for nothing. They're like, oh, there's there's a rumor that the doppelganger is around. Who started that rumor, Isabel? I would love to know. Because which vampires knew there was a doppelganger? It's kind of just you, Miss Isabel. Yeah, no one seems to know. Elijah didn't know. And everyone who Elijah told or who came in contact with Elena got killed. So riddle me this. Where'd that rumor come from? Bitch. Guessing the woman who gave birth to it. She gave birth to the doppelganger and the doppelganger rumor. (laughs) And John says, hey, Isabel's been helping all along. And that needs some elaboration. And John senses that. So he does elaborate. He says, you know, Klaus has been trying to capture Catherine for hundreds of years. All it would take is one of the tomb vampires to spread the word that Catherine is alive to bring him straight to Mystic Falls, where he would accidentally discover Elena. So they killed all the tomb vampires. So this is explanation for killing the tomb vampires. This is a little bit, I mean, obviously this is like retroactive explanation, so it's not going to be perfectly clean. Yeah, It's a little bit short-sighted because I think the argument here is that Klaus would hear there's a whole tomb of vampires who knew Catherine was alive. So he might come to Mystic Falls to question them, but he would know that Catherine's then not in Mystic Falls because that's where the tomb vampires are. So he wouldn't go there looking for her. And why would he go ask the tomb vampires questions about Catherine, who have been famously in a tomb this whole time? He thought that she died in this tomb. Everyone did. And then the tomb vampires come out and they're like, oh, no, Catherine's not in here. Klaus is not going to be like, oh, she's definitely in this town, though. No. Well, and like, I think the <laughs> argument is that, like, if he's in Mystic Falls at all, there is a chance he could, like, run into Elena at the grocery store, which would be hysterical. Yeah, that would just be a bad luck at that point. So I get this, again, as retroactive explanation of their actions. It works. I think it's a little bit flawed, but they probably weren't anticipating needing to explain it in this way. So I can't hold it against them. Yeah, but also, like, Isabel knew Catherine was alive. There were other people that knew Catherine was alive. So like, that's more a side of it. That's not the explanation being kind of iffy because it's retroactive. That's more like, I mean, they were still going to do the same thing. Like, yeah, exactly. this is just a reasoning of killing the tomb vampires. But of course, Elena's like, yeah, you also tried to kill Damon and Stefan, though. Yeah, she's like, I, I ain't forget that you tried to kill my boyfriend and my future boyfriend. Yeah. And John says, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. got me there. And Anna, who wasn't in the fucking tomb. Yeah. Still mad about Anna. I'll be mad about that for a long time. Exactly. 
so Isabel gets to her point, which is that she's offering Elena a safe house. It's a house with the deed in Elena's name where no vampire can get in without permission, even Isabel, even though that, that's exactly what the Gilbert house was until five minutes ago. Yeah. So like they couldn't have talked on the porch. Isabel says, you know, I want to help you. And Elena says, oh, you want to help? Get out of my fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> then we go over to the Merton apartment where since Jonas is dead, Luca's dead, burned up body just remains on the floor. Yeah, it's just sitting there. <laughs> and so Damon can walk right in. So we get confirmation if we didn't already have it, that everyone is dead who lived there. Bonnie says, you know, we should protect the grimoires. They collected like a lot of them over the years. And Damon says, you know, we could just like cremate the Martins. And Bonnie's like, mm, that's disrespectful. And so Damon says, OK, I'll bury them. And so they start like looking around. Damon starts cleaning up the body a little bit. And Bonnie says, you know, according to Dr. Martin, one of these books contains a spell that will help me harness the energy when a witch dies violently. And Damon says, oh, I didn't know you guys were close. And Bonnie's like, we weren't. But when he gave me my powers back, he you know, gave me a couple messages, too. She says, look, if we can find the spot where all these witches were burned, I can harness the energy. And Damon says, great news. I know where it is. And Bonnie's like, you've just known where this was the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So she's like shook to learn this. And then Jeremy says, do we have to read through all these books? <laughs> he's on a whole different page than these people. He's he's asking the real question. He's like, OK, but how much reading am I going to have to do today? This is a weekend. <laughs> this is Saturday. <laughs> and Bonnie says, no, we don't need to. And she does a little spell. A bunch of books fall and one opens and it's the spell. So they're like, great, let's do it. I don't know why every book needed to fall. I was like, the spells across all those books. No, just the one. Nope, just one. They just, for some reason, the spell needs all the books to be off the bookcase too. <laughs> or the one spell was just really a architectural gem on the bookshelf. Yeah. A load-bearing grimoire. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go over to a big mansion of foreclosure. You know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And in comes Isabel with a hot henchman carrying her Louis Vuitton suitcase. And Catherine sneaks up on her and chokes her. And then they're like, ah, hey, girly. They're like, hee, hee, hee. Yeah, it's like, okay, of course you two are together. <laughs> yeah, of course you two are friends. And Isabel says, oh, you know, it's good to see you. Catherine says, you know, she heard she's been busy. And Isabel says that she's been making a deal with Klaus to save Catherine's life. This fake ass bitch just went in and like, Elena, I really care about protecting you. And then 10 minutes later, she said, hey, Catherine, saving you, bitch. Yeah, she said, look, I'm still your mom. I'm going to protect you. Then she went to Catherine and said, we got the doppelganger. You're good, girl. Like, bitch. <laughs> Isabel said, fuck my daughter. <laughs> we can't be shocked by this from Isabel, but it is just funny that it went so fast. The whiplash of Isabel's alliances. Yeah. So then they drink some blood from a wine bottle because, God forbid, they carried in a blood bag. Iconic that they put the blood in the wine bottle and then she, like, said someone's name. Like, as though it was a vintage wine. Like, it's so hysterical. That's, like, kind of vibey. Yeah, I kind of love that because... The process of putting the blood in a wine bottle is like four extra steps from putting it in a blood bag. Because they like put a cork in it too. Like it wasn't like an open bottle of wine they put in. Like they sealed it. Yeah. And it's a more fragile thing to transport. So 
it's like, how is it worth it for anything but the vibes? And that for Isabel's all vibes. I'll, I'll give her this one. This one was cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it to Isabel. That's fun. <laughs> and so then Catherine asks Isabel why she visited the Gilbert house. And Isabel says, oh, you know, John told me Rick was dating Auntie Vanilla. Isabel is really such a pick me girl because just because you have a gay friend who carries your luggage and dances for you does not make you a bad bitch. She thinks she's like the most iconic bitch in the world. She is convinced she is the main character of this show. And it's like, Isabel, you're not even the most iconic bitch in this room. And there's only two of you in this room. You're not interesting. Like you becoming a vampire didn't make you iconic. Like, I don't know how clear I can make that. Yeah. And, you know, not for nothing, Alaric's pretty vanilla. All he wants is a wife to have kids with. Like, is he asking so much? Yeah, and Isabel, you've made it clear you don't really like Alaric that much. So, so she says she got jealous, even though there's no logic behind it. She's not a logic girl. Isabel just wanted to cause a little chaos. She was like, look, I had to come back to town, obviously, And so I just wanted to have a little fun with it. Like I wanted to really stir some shit while I did it. Is that a crime? It is. (laughs) It's rude. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's not a crime. It's just mean. It's just like unnecessary. Yeah. And Catherine says, oh, well, you must have John wrapped around your finger if he invited you in. Duh. (laughs) Yeah. Water's wet. Isabel's like, yeah, I wish he would get off my finger. (laughs) Isabel says that John thinks that she's there to help Elena. So he keeps her very informed. So this tells us that though Isabel is double crossing them, John isn't. Yeah. Which is even funnier because that means no one wants John on their team. That means John thinks he's in an alliance that literally does not care about him whatsoever, which is pretty easy to tell that, but obviously not to him. So Catherine asks what Isabel knows. And Isabel says... That she couldn't get near Klaus, but she did find her way to someone in his inner circle, one of his witches. The witch told Isabel that Klaus is willing to grant Catherine her freedom if they deliver the Moonstone and the Doppelganger. Easy enough, they have the Doppelganger and Catherine is convinced she can get the Moonstone. Yeah, and this seems like a fair trade, honestly. Like, this isn't unbelievable. And Isabel says, well, you know, Catherine, you'll be betraying your little Salvatore boys again. And Catherine says... I mean, I was willing to play their way if I had to, but they're floundering. Their witch lost her powers. Their only weapon is in Elijah. So if I stick with them, I'm dead. So you showing up is really awesome. Yeah, Catherine's like, look, I would do whichever alliance works. Yours seems better at the moment. And to be fair with the information she does have, it is a way better deal to go with Isabel right now. And even if she did know that Bonnie didn't lose her powers, it would still be a toss-up. Yeah, because it's still not like sure whether Bonnie is capable of doing all these extra witch things. Catherine is not convinced of that, and that's fair. So then we go over to the Salvatore house. Elena and Damon and Stefan are, you know, talking strategy. Elena asks if they think that Isabel's telling the truth that word has gotten out about the doppelganger. And Stefan, like, isn't sure if he should trust or not, but he says, but we might as well just, like, take it as serious. We just shouldn't ignore it. Yeah, like, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, maybe no one's going to come hunt you down, but we should be, like, on the lookout for new vampires in town, as usual. Yeah. And Damon says, you know, maybe you should stay at our house. And Stefan says, any vampire can come in here. 
Yeah. The only smart one in this room, because that's what I said. I was like, they don't even need to be invited in there. How is that safer? They agree that the Gilbert house is safer. So Damon suggests that the Salvatores stay at the Gilbert house. So basically their plan is just to not let Elena out of their sight, which annoys her, but it's the best they can do if they were able to do it. And Stefan messes it up in like a minute. Yeah, Stefan messes it up almost immediately. You love her? You really love her and you just did that? And so Elena says, well, then one of you two bodyguards is going to have to come with me to the Lockwood luncheon. And of course, Stefan volunteers, which is fine because Damon has witch stuff to do with Bonnie. But he doesn't say what it is because Catherine walks in and Catherine says, hey, you guys have a plan? And of course, they just like don't even say anything. Yeah, like obviously they have a plan and they're not going to tell her. And she says, "Okay, you know what? You guys are starting to piss me off, which is funny because she is just about to betray them. Yeah, because she has just gone to talk plans with her actual teammate. She's like, excuse you. I have been honest with you. And it's like she just fully hasn't. Yeah, she says, look, I delivered the moonstone, a werewolf and a dagger to kill Klaus. And all you guys have is a moonstone or so you say. And Damon says, we do have it. And she says, okay, well, where is it? And he says, it's a safe place. And she's like, how fucking dare you? Tell me where it is. I have been so honest and nice and loyal to you guys. Tell me where the fucking Moonstone is. And, you know, you can't blame her for trying this. Yeah. I mean, Catherine's number one tool in her arsenal is saying things with 100% conviction and having stupid men believe her. Yeah. So you cannot blame her for going for it again. Honestly, this might have worked if they, like, were a little less wary of her. They've been so wary of her already and they're wary of Isabel. But this wasn't a crazy strategy. Yeah. Similar things have worked on them before. The problem is when you do it enough, people stop believing it. Yeah, people are like, okay, well, you lie all the time. So I'm sorry, but this time I just don't know if I trust you. She's got to try it. This is the first move. This is not the last move. And Damon says, you know, the fact that we haven't set you on fire does not mean that we trust you. And she's like, oh. You guys are so, I can't, I can't believe this. This is an outrage. Like, I can't believe how rude you guys are to me. That makes no sense. She's like, you know what? Now you're hurting my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Again, after just betraying them <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and even saying to Isabel, like, yeah, I don't care about the self doors. You got to give it to her. She does her best. She is in it for herself. She's not a liar about that. So then we go over to the Lockwoods where they're setting up for the luncheon or whatever. The sheriff and Carol are talking about, I think, the fire at the grill. They said they couldn't find a cause of the fire, but they did find blood, but no body. And Carol says, hey, you think vampires are involved? And the sheriff says, I'm starting to assume the answer is always yes. Mama, it is. Yeah. The sheriff's like, you know, it seems like every time we ask that, it's a resounding yes. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm pretty sure there's vampires in town. So then Caroline comes in looking for Matt and Carol says, well, you know, I haven't seen him. He didn't come in for his catering shift, whatever, whatever. But if you see Matt, can you ask him if he's heard from Tyler? And Caroline says, OK, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. Caroline's like, first of all, uh, he won't have. But I, I guess I can't say that to you right now. So, <laughs> And Carol confirms that she hasn't heard from him. And his note just said he needed to, quote, figure things out. But she doesn't know where he is. That's so hurtful to your mom. I know. Just give her a text, Tyler. Come on. She lost her husband. And now you just like have to quote unquote figure things out. What do you have to figure out? You're a high school student. Like that's not useful. See it from Carol's point of view. It hurts me that he would do that to his mom. But we'll see if he ever comes back to town. He'll be (laughs) back. So Caroline goes to check in with Stefan. She says, hey, by the way, I still can't find Matt. 
And you know what? I'm honestly worried that he's going to tell everyone. And I mean, I was going to say no offense, but I don't care. Who would Matt tell? All of his friends know. Like, he's the one who doesn't know. Well, we find out who Matt would tell. Yeah. Matt would tell the sheriff. (laughs) Unfortunately, he does have someone to tell. But at this point, it doesn't seem like he would. Can you imagine if Matt was like, Jeremy, I have to talk to you. I discovered something crazy. I wish he tried to talk to Elena about it. Because she'd be like, Matt, I literally can't even fucking talk to you about this. Like, the Vicky thing, we all forgot about. None of us care about that anymore. Matt, I'm sorry. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but Vicky was such a bitch to me. Vicky, like, (laughs) tried to kill me multiple times. And did I deserve it? Maybe. But she still shouldn't have done it. I just wish that Matt would call Tyler and be like, Tyler, I need you to come back to town. You need to help me through something. And then Tyler would be like, well, Matt, I have to tell you something. I'm a werewolf. Matt would be like, what? Not a fun day to be Matt either. So Stefan asks Elena if she has any idea where Matt might be. And she says uh, he was never really one to run. Well, what was there to run from when he was dating you? You were a cheerleader. Yeah. Like You had a very normal life when he was dating you. What was he running from? He never ran. You're the one who dumped him. Yeah, he was obsessed with you. So Caroline's kind of freaking out. She says, this is not how it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to work out. Like I was supposed to tell him at the right time and he was supposed to accept it. We were supposed to be in love. And Elena says, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Elena's like, Caroline, that's your type A personality coming out. First of all, that was never going to (laughs) happen. That was just never how it was going to (laughs) go. And Elena says, well, look, I'll help you find him after I accept this thing for Jenna. So Caroline leaves to start looking for Matt and Stefan comforts Elena being like, hey, maybe Matt will come around like you did. And Elena's like, well, I'm nicer than Matt. Elena's like, maybe. She's like, yeah, I didn't handle it well, but I also wasn't as emotional as him. Yeah, she's like, also, I'm a lot hornier than Matt. Also, you didn't kill my brother. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going into this with different expectations. Also, I was the first one who was told, so I didn't need to deal with like every person I hang out with lying to me. Yeah, my friends weren't keeping it a secret from me. Yeah, you didn't kill my brother and then all my friends know that and no one told me for six months. So it was a little easier for me. It was an easier pill for me to swallow. (laughs) So then we go into the woods where Damon, Jeremy and Bonnie are arriving at the burial ground where Emily Bennett was killed. The founders thought it was poetic to kill Emily where her ancestors died because the founders are nothing if not dicks. Yeah. And Damon knows where this is because he tried to save Emily. Quickly, Jeremy and Bonnie clock like, oh, you were trying to save her. And he says, "Mm, she was my key to getting Catherine back before I found out she was a huge bitch. Yeah. He's like, you know, don't I wasn't doing it altruistically. I'll be fair. Yeah. Exactly. And so they arrive at an old decrepit mansion. Maybe it's been a little bit burned. Maybe it was built after the like timeline of it isn't clear. What's important is it's an old decrepit mansion. There are some, I mean, I guess not so many, but we've seen at least like two old decrepit mansions just in the woods. Like, is this a thing? Like in real life? Like, do you think if I go through the woods of Virginia long enough, I'll find a mansion? Maybe. I bet. I mean, it'd probably be haunted, but I, I'm just just wondering. Yeah, but witches have no reason to be mean to you. you yeah, I think, them. Yeah, the witches and the ghosts, I think, would be happy to see me. Maybe like, she's a real one. They'd be like, I like her and her little dog. <laughs> yeah. 
So they go inside the mansion and Damon gets stuck like he can't move. And he assumes it's Bonnie, but she says it isn't. He's in a ray of sun. And then all of a sudden his skin starts sizzling and he's like, hey, um, so my ring's not working. Can you do something? And so Bonnie eventually helps him move. And she says, I don't think the witches like you being here. And Jeremy says, I guess this is the right place. <laughs> and Damon's like, I'm going to the porch. <laughs> yeah. Damon's like, yeah, I'm not dealing with this. Emily has shit on me enough in my lifetime. I'm going to go outside. He says, message received, Emily. I gotcha. So then we go over to the Salvatore house where Catherine is looking for the moonstone. She goes through a bunch of different places. She finds a water cache and takes it for her troubles. Yeah. I mean, if they're just going to leave cash out. And then when she's looking in the fireplace, her hands get a little dirty. So then she goes to wash her hands in Damon's bathroom, where he has a bowl of individual decorative soaps, which she clocks as odd. Because who puts their soap out like that? Yeah. They all drip. So it's just a wad of soap scum on the bottom. Weird way to display these. I feel like Damon is one of those people that people are like, oh my God, what do I get him for gifts? And so they're like, well, like I'm going to shop local because that's good. Um, And every small town has a fancy soap shop. Yeah. And so I just think people don't know what to get him. And they're like, oh, here's some bourbon and a fancy soap. And he just puts them in his bathroom. Yeah. And then he has a bowl. And when he was hiding the moonstone, he thought, you know, this kind of looks like one of the many decorative soaps I own. I'm going to put it in my decorative soap bowl. And to be fair, if someone's looking for the moonstone, they're going to look in hiding places. They're not going to look in plain sight in a soap bowl. The only reason Catherine looked there was because she was actively washing her hands with one of these soaps. But my argument here is they should have put the moonstone in a house that Catherine hasn't been invited into. And I realize there's not many of those left, but Bonnie's house she hasn't been invited into. Yeah. Here's my thing. This moonstone is special. Obviously, yes. But you can buy another decoy moonstone. Buy a few. Put them all over. Put them in the easier hiding spots. And then she'll stumble on one of those first. That's just all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Get a decoy, put it next to Elijah's body in the dungeon. Yeah, put it in Elijah's pocket. Because that's a safe place to keep it. You know, like, this is a weird hiding place. And it's not the best plan. But it's also not, like, the worst plan. Yeah, I think given the information they had, this was a pretty smart hiding place. Unfortunately, Catherine was determined. Then we go out to the street in town. Alaric is walking to his car and Isabel comes up and he's like, are you fucking kidding me? What do you want? He's like, why won't you just let me be at peace? And she says, oh, you know, I want to tie up some loose ends. And he says, we don't have any. And she says, oh, I know you don't, but I do. And it's like, girl, can you like stop? she's just like no I actually don't give a fuck about you or your feelings this is for me she's like no we're talking about me (laughs) she's like I can't make it clear enough that I'm talking only about me like I didn't ask you here's the thing obviously Catherine's selfish Isabel it's a whole nother level yeah like at least Catherine shuts up about herself sometimes well at least Catherine says like yeah I'm number one Isabel's always like I want to apologize to you, but it's for me. Even though you gave up on this forever ago, I just want to say it again. Yeah, so she says, I want to apologize to you. And she says, not for everything I did in the past. We're past that. Are we? Yeah, she's like, you know, not for faking my death, all that. We're good on that. And Alex, like, honestly, that still pisses me off. But, you know, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. 
And so he says it's a little late to apologize for the past anyway. And she says, what she's really here to apologize for is like that she was petty and outed him to Jenna, which is so small potatoes. And it's like, also, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, like you could have just stayed home. She like immediately did something mean. And she's like, but I'm sorry though. Yeah. So we're good. And he was like, and he says, basically, whatever vampire amends you're trying to make, like, I don't want to be involved. She says, well, yeah, that's because I compelled you to let me go. And he says, like, okay. He's like, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Either way, I let it go. Like, can you leave? He's like, all I know is I don't want to talk to you right now. She says, "Mm, I'm not done. And she says, look, I just realized that I don't want to do what I have to do without you realizing how much I loved you. And I loved you so much. I think he does clock this, but he should immediately be like, "Mm, this sounds like you're going to kill me. Yeah, it's like, are you about to fucking shoot me right now? (laughs) But before he can get too far ahead of his own train of thought, Isabel says he's all yours and a witch comes and knocks him out and she walks away and cries. So then we go back over to the witch house in the woods. Damon is on the porch and tells, you know, Bonnie and Jeremy to hurry up. And then the door slams on him and he says, hey, uh, screw you too, Emily. I know that was you. (laughs) And Damon says that they're on their own. Inside, Bonnie asks for the grimoire and Jeremy's like, hey, uh, BTW, I'm worried about you. And she kisses him and she says, shut up. (laughs) And he's like, "Okay, (laughs) me and who? (laughs) And so they find a spot, whatever. There's a bunch of candles around so you can imagine this power there. Bonnie kind of starts the spell and the spirits of the witches start like whispering. The voices increase as she gets like, you know, set up to the closer location, whatever, whatever. She doesn't tell Jeremy what they're saying. He's like, hey, what are they saying? And she says, mm, they're just talking. So like, oh, nothing special. You know, they're just they're just saying things. And she says, but they are ready for me to do this spell. So then we go over to the Lockwood luncheon. Elena, as promised, accepts a check from Mrs. Lockwood. Unclear if this is the whole point of the luncheon. We're not going to dig it too deep into this luncheon because obviously it's just an event to put people in a place. Yeah. In the hall, John runs into Isabel and he's like, hmm, I didn't expect to see you here today. Like, what are you doing? And she says, oh, I'm creating a distraction. And then she bites him. Dumbass. Oh, poor John. (laughs) So Elena accepts the check and she starts to give a speech. She's like, yeah, my mom loved the historical society, blah, blah, blah. It was her baby. It's a real snooze of a speech, but that's okay because some excitement is provided when John's body gets thrown down the stairs. Yeah, when Isabel just throws John down the staircase. Everyone goes to check, including Stefan, who's supposed to keep his eyes on Elena. Stefan is like first in line to go check on John. And so in the commotion, Elena stays for the back of the room and Catherine grabs Elena and says, hey, nice dress. Can I borrow it? And then takes her. So by the time everyone has checked on John and Stefan goes back to look for Elena, that's enough time for Catherine to get changed. The sheriff tells everyone to back off. And so Stefan finds Elena on the phone and she says, I'm calling Damon. Let's get out of here. And Stefan at this moment seems to believe that it is Elena. Yeah. And so then we check in on an Escalade. I don't think it's an Escalade, but it's Escalade adjacent where Isabel has Elena passed out in the backseat. So then we go back over to Lockwoods where Elena Wink is on the phone with Damon and she says it has to be Isabel. And then she's like, you know, Damon, you're going to have a lot of explaining to do to the council when they find out that John's not really dead. 
So then Elena hangs up the phone and Stefan immediately pushes her against the car and he says, hey, where's Elena? So he knew the whole time. She's like, I thought I was selling it. She's like, I straightened my hair, dude. I put the dress on. It's like, what else do you need from me? And she said, I even talked about Damon. Elena loves to do that. <laughs> Luckily, Catherine, though, thought ahead in case she was recognized. And she hits Stefan with a syringe and she says, sorry, but I really don't want you following me. And she throws him into a bush and drives off. Great move. So then we go back to the witch house. Bonnie does the spell and is clearly in pain. Like she is screaming, crying, throwing up. Yeah. And Jeremy's like, hey, are you good? Are you good? (laughs) But he can't get anywhere near her while she does the spell. And then all of a sudden the voice is silenced and Bonnie says she did it. This is a much longer scene than I'm making it sound like. But the gist of it is that she's screaming and crying and then she did it. Yeah. And she, she got all the power from all these witches. So then we go back over to the Lockwoods. Carol has everyone leave. She's like, he just had a bad fall. Like, see you guys later. Paramedics are on the way. Well, John is laying there dead. Yeah, he's fine. He just fell down. He needs some air, but you do have to leave. And everyone's like, who cares? It's John Gilbert. Let him die. Everyone's like, I mean, we kind of did everything we needed to do here, right? (laughs) Yeah, they're like, I think this event was just to see Elena get that check. And so then Damon comes in as everyone else is leaving and the sheriff's like, oh, my God, John's dead. And Damon sees the ring and says, "Okay, long story short, John's going to be fine in a couple hours. This shocks Carol in this. Yeah, Carol's like, he's not breathing and he doesn't have a pulse. How does that work? And Damon says, look, the ring is a Gilbert family heirloom. It protects the wearer from death against supernatural creatures. Now, what Carol and Liz should say is, How do you know that? Where would he have gotten this information? I mean, he very easily could have been like, oh, I read it in a Gilbert journal. Yeah, or like John told me this. I didn't know it was real, whatever. It's something like, like he could have talked his way out of this, but he didn't even need to. Yeah, they didn't even ask. And Damon starts to drag John's body out and he says, we're going to need a cover story, epileptic fit, alcohol binge, banana peel, whatever works. I hope they're on the news tonight. And Andy stars like, local man John Gilbert fell down the stairs today sources close to the scene say there was a banana peel (laughs) (laughs) upstairs on the ground more on this story as it develops there is suspicion that he was the one eating the banana (laughs) a source who was on the scene says john is such a clumsy little boy A a separate source said yeah john the guy who fell down the stairs i hate that dude (laughs) many from the scene say quote we wish he died (laughs) But one source said, yeah, he fell down and it was so funny. He just tumbled all the way down and looked dead. We all loved it so much. Great party by Mayor Lockwood. (laughs) I was laughing so hard. I had never seen anything funnier. I'm going to go as John Gilbert at the bottom of the stairs for Halloween this year. I was laughing so hard. I peed my pants. And everyone else laughing so hard at John Gilbert. No one even noticed (laughs) I didn't feed my pants. It was amazing. Great news story. Great reporting by Andy Starr. (laughs) Andy Starr says, and this reporter, for one, is happy to hear that he'd fell. And this reporter, for one, wishes he stayed dead. Back to you. (laughs) In the studio. (laughs) So Sheriff Forbes calls the station and she says, hey, false alarm at the Lockwood house. No dead body. See you guys back at the station. Yeah, we're all good. And the deputies are like, okay. The deputies are like, we already opened the champagne when we heard John Gilbert died. They're like, first of all, we haven't left yet because we were kind of hoping if we took too long, he would stay dead. 
Like, so now I just have a open bottle of Moe Chandon. Yeah. I was saving this for a special occasion. Now it's just a Wednesday. <laughs> and so then the sheriff runs into Matt outside and he's like, hey, I want to see Vicky's file. And the sheriff's like, I thought we were all kind of over that. He's like, that happened a real long time ago. I kind of forgot about that. And Matt says, you know, let me clarify. I want to see Vicky's file because I want to see how you covered up that she was killed by a vampire. And the sheriff says, "Okay, you're going to need to calm down. And he says, don't lie to me. And he starts to put his hand on her and she quickly like pins him to the car. Like she's like, I'm a fucking sheriff, dude. She's like, you can't talk to me this way, first of all. Like, no, but we will have to discuss the vampire thing. (laughs) But I do want to talk about that. And I just want to say when I say a cab, I do not mean Sheriff Liz Forbes. The one and only. So then we go back over to Salvatore house. Damon carries John in and drops him in the foyer pretty hard. Yeah, because who cares? He's still going to wake up. Doesn't matter what you do to him. And then Damon notices that he has blood on his hands. And so he goes to wash his hands. While he's washing his hands, he gets a call from Stefan. And he's like, oh, Stefan, I'm surprised I beat you and Elena home. Stefan obviously tells him like, yeah, Catherine was here. Something happened, blah, blah, blah. And then he takes another look at his bowl of decorative soaps. And he's realizes the moonstone is missing. He's like, oh, God damn it. This wasn't as good of a hiding spot as I thought. He's like, I guess the bowl of individual decorative soaps was very conspicuous. Yeah. (laughs) So then we go back to Isabel's car. She gets a phone call from Catherine. Catherine is at Isabel's house and she's like, hey, I'm at your house, uh, but we have to hurry up because Damon knows your tricks. He'll probably be here in like 20 minutes. Yeah, he knows what kind of house you pick. So you always pick the exact same fucking kind of house. Isabel says, oh, you know, we'll be long gone before that. And Catherine says, great. Uh, how far out are you? And Elena is waking up as this conversation is happening. Isabel says, I'm sorry, Catherine, but I had to do what I was told. He wanted the moonstone and he wanted you. And Elena like clocks that. And Catherine says, um, he who? Now, girl, Catherine's like, Oh, you did not just say what I think you just said, you fucking bitch. (laughs) Catherine says, you're fucking joking. You triple crossed. (laughs) So it turns out not even Catherine was safe from Isabel. As Catherine asks he who, a man comes behind her, does like witchy aneurysm thing before she can attack and knocks her out. And we can assume that this is Klaus's witch, obviously, from context and later events. We go outside the Forbes house where Caroline is arriving home. She's leaving another voicemail for Matt, begging him to call her. She said she's left something like 25. But then she sees Matt inside and she goes in. He seems absolutely terrified of her, but she's happy he's there. Yeah. And I mean, it's good he showed up. But was it really this hard to find Matt? I mean, this isn't that big of a town. (laughs) Like, where does he go? Where did he hide? Like his housework? Where else does he go? And he says that Sheriff Forbes brought him here. He accused the sheriff of covering up Vicky's death. Then she, you know, was mad at him, obviously. He shut up because he got the sense that she wasn't going to believe anything he said. So he tells Caroline he didn't tell her mom anything about her. But the sheriff brought him here to cool down. And so Caroline is like, so if you're afraid of me, why did you stick around? And he says, you know, I need to know more about Vicky and about you. And Caroline says that she'll tell him anything he wants to know. Yeah, he's like, I have to ask these questions because I just like am overwhelmed is his story. And it's a good one. Yeah, it's good because he didn't come up with it. Yeah, the sheriff (laughs) told him exactly what to do. And so then we go back over to the witch house. 
Jeremy and Bonnie are leaving and he says, hey, we should try to like translate that chant. And she says, mm, no, it's not important. It's just a warning. It's like, no, it's it's no big deal at all. It's like very, very chill. And he's like, well, they were all yelling it when we walked in the house. That doesn't seem to match up. Yeah. So he kind of keeps digging and she says, yeah, they just said like it's a lot of power to have access to. And they told me to be careful. Yeah. They just said with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, how much power? And to prove it, you know, she causes some wind. She makes it cloudy, makes it thunder and lightning. And the answer is, you know, a lot of power. So then we go over to Isabel's house where Damon and Stefan have rolled up. Stefan is worried, but Damon's like, mm, don't be a pessimist. They search the house and they find Isabel's stuff, but no one is there. So they're a little confused and they keep looking. Yeah, they're like, well, that's not good. <laughs> this was our main lead. So then we see Isabel's car pulling into Grove Hill Cemetery. Her little henchman is driving her. He opens the door. Isabel and Elena both get out. Isabel isn't compelling Elena, but Elena realizes she just has to go with Isabel for now. So Elena asks if Isabel was compelled to betray Catherine. And Isabel says, well, if I was, I couldn't say. So this is kind of something to keep in mind that if someone is compelled, you can't be like, hey, are you compelled right now? Well, and that makes sense that you wouldn't have to be like, and you can't tell anyone I told you to say this because then it wouldn't be a very good power. Exactly. If someone was like, yeah, I was attacked by a wolf and that guy told me to say that to you. Then he'd be like, okay, well, then he did something. Like, Yeah, Sheriff Forbes would have gone up to Vicky and been like, and did someone tell you to tell me this? And she would say, yeah, yeah, the vampire did. Yeah, Stefan Salvatore. And then she'd be like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that, it makes sense. And even if that were a loophole, I'm sure that Klaus compelling her, he would have been like, yeah, and you can't tell anyone you're compelled to do this, you know? So Elena assumes that Isabel lied to them and Catherine and that she did find Klaus and that Klaus knows where Elena is. And Elena assumes that Isabel is taking Elena to Klaus. I mean, how could she not assume that at this point? Yeah, that seems like the path. I mean, she just got fully taken and heard that she was double crossing Catherine. Yeah. And it makes sense that in this instance, Elena would think that she's the main character of this moment. Because she is. Yes, yeah, she got kidnapped. She's the doppelganger everyone's looking for. Isabel doesn't see that. Isabel is bound and determined to make it about her because she brought Elena to her grave, to Isabel's grave. And Elena's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you're literally alive. And Isabel says, you know, my parents put this grave here when it became clear that no one was ever going to find my body. They come here every week and visit with flowers. And she's like talking about it like it's a really sweet, cute story. Like she hasn't caused her parents irreparable trauma. Yeah, she's like, isn't that so funny that they come every week and like no one's even buried there? Like I'm just walking around. It's like, that's not funny. <laughs> like that's really fucked up. She's like the Isabel they knew is dead. And Elena's like, what the fuck? That's so mean. Like, they come here and bring flowers to your grave every week, and it's like, that's funny. It's like, oh, haha, and I'm not even in there. Those dumbasses. <laughs> and Elena's like, what? Elena's like, did you need me for this? Yeah, Elena's like, so am I getting sacrificed right now, or, or am I just hearing about you? <laughs> Isabel continues to wax poetic about herself. She says, you know, maybe the human part of me is buried here. The part that, you know, dreamed about knowing my daughter. But instead, Elena, you got to know the part that betrayed her own flesh and blood. And Elena's like, yeah, I've been here. I know you suck. And like, that was literally Isabel's choice. Like she could have hunted down Elena before she became a vampire. 
Like that was up to you. You chose to become a vampire. And even after she became a vampire, she could have like kept her humanity on and like learned that Stefan and Damon were around him and like, oh, I can go talk to Elena and have a relationship with her and, you know, maybe make friends with Jenna. Maybe, you know, be a family. But no, she chose to go like threaten to kill all of Elena's friends just because of Catherine, pretty much. Yeah, so it's like, I don't feel bad for you about this. Like, you did that. Like, this is not comforting. And Elena's like, also, I never have liked you. So even if like this was somehow comforting to me, like it wouldn't fall in the right place. I don't like you. Yeah. Like I, I literally have said that to your face. So then Isabel gets a phone call from Klaus's witch. And he says, I've got Catherine and I've got the Moonstone. Um, is the doppelganger safe? And Isabel says, yeah. And the witch says, let her go. Klaus has everything he needs for now. And your part is finished. And the witch at this point confirms that Isabel was compelled to betray Catherine. Yeah. To say like, you're done. You're done. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, you're done. And Isabel looks very happy to be done. Yeah, like relieved. Like, oh, I'm done. Great. And Elena says, hey, who's on the phone? And Isabel (laughs) says, you know, I am so sorry that I have been such a disappointment to you. And as if being a disappointment isn't enough, Isabel wants to be a source of deep psychological trauma for Elena. She's like, I will be a major player in your psyche whether I was there for you growing up or not. And if I have to do something crazy to do it, so be it. She said, you will be unpacking me in in therapy for years to come, even though you've known me total two weeks. You will not forget me. And so she tears off her daylight necklace, catches fire and burns alive on the site of her own grave. Quite traumatizing for Elena. And depending on how much her body burns, could be traumatizing for her parents as well. You know, there were no fresh flowers there. So you have to assume her parents are going to be there within a day or so. Yeah. (laughs) And also, I know this is not what I should be harping on, but there's a bunch of dead leaves on the ground. She's going to burn this cemetery to the ground. Well, we have to assume that whenever they were like, oh, and when you're done with your part of compulsion, kill yourself. Uh, But this is fucking crazy either way. She just like burns in front of her and Elena's like, what? Elena's like, are you joking? You were my ride. She's like, what? I have to walk the fuck home. I just watched my birth mother burn to bits and I just got to go. I mean, we know her henchman drove her so he could drive her home, whatever. But Isabel's compelling him. But she's like, hey, are you by any chance going back to Mr. Calls? Because what? Like she watched her mom die and now she's like, okay, I guess I'll take the bus. (laughs) Yes, I'll call an Uber. (laughs) The Uber driver's like, how's your day going? And she's like, you know, not great. You know, I really don't want to talk about it. She's like, we actually have to talk. And, you know, I have to ask, do you think this is the last we're going to see of Isabel? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think she's bouncing back from this one. There was a lot of fire. Seems that fire is a pretty safe kill method, except for an original, of course. So then we go over to the Forbes house where Caroline is finishing up telling Matt everything about, you know, the first time that she hurt him and compelled him to forget. And then she says she loves him and she is so sorry about what happened to Vicky. But we have to assume throughout the story, she's made it clear that she wasn't really involved in that. Yeah, that she didn't kill Vicky. Matt says, you know, I'm all alone. And Caroline kind of wants to argue with it, but she can't. He's like, my mom doesn't care. My sister's dead and all my friends are liars. And you don't even know what Tyler's hiding from you. Like, you only know like half of it. And Caroline says, well, I'm still me. 
And Matt says, you know, all of this is too much. I don't want to know this. And she says, like, what do you want me to do? Like, I want to help. And he says, make me forget it. You told me you did it before. Make me do it again. I don't want to look at you and see what I'm seeing right now. And Caroline's like, I don't want to do that because like, if you don't know this, like we can't be together. That's what she's essentially thinking. But she's like, I just don't want to do this. But he fights back. Yeah, she wants him to come around, but he is adamant. And so she agrees and we see her start to compel him. And then we go over to the Salvatore house where Elena is holding Isabel's necklace. And she's like, you know, I never thought I would feel bad about her being dead. And yet when she caught fire in front of me, I have to say it affected me. You know, like she's like, look, I didn't like Isabel. I didn't particularly want her alive, but I didn't really need to see her burst into flames. Like that, that was a little too far for me personally. <laughs> and Seven says, well, she was your mother. Oh, he's like, that's not really what it was about. It's like, it was more the fire than anything. Yeah, the fire was more affecting than who was on fire to me. <laughs> and Elena says, hey, why do you think Klaus let me go? Stefan tries to unpack this as logically as he can. He says, we have to assume that anything John told Isabel, Klaus also knows. So Klaus knows that you're not going to turn yourself into a vampire, that you're being kept safe by the Salvatores, and that you're not going to run. Then he doesn't really come to any conclusion with that information. I think he's essentially like Klaus wouldn't get her because like she's obviously going to be there and sacrificable at any, at time. any time. Yeah. So it's kind of like, OK, I don't really need her right now. Like I can deal with other stuff first. I'll just wait till I'm ready to go. And Damon says, so we got to take some precautions because even though we expected to get played, we did get played. Yeah, he's like, you know, we were pretty sure this wasn't going to work out for us. And it, it, it didn't. So <laughs> yeah. so they have the deed to their house, which is in Uncle Zach's name. R.I.P. Uncle Zach. R.I.P. My first crush. <laughs> yeah. How long ago that was. <laughs> and they're like, if you sign it, it will be in your name. It's the same idea as Isabel's safe house, except it's here and we're in control of it. Well, actually, she's in control of it. And, you know, you can control who gets invited in, although I sure hope you'll invite us in. Yeah, they were like, you know, it's all to you, but please do invite us in. But Stefan doesn't even feel the need to ask because obviously he's going to be invited in. How else is she going to have sex? But Damon's like, please invite me in. And this is handier than her house because her house, like Jenna could answer the door and invite someone in as she has done many times. And people have been invited in already. Yeah. And like Catherine couldn't come in, not that she can come in anyway she's kind of occupied at the moment but she couldn't come in because they she'd be like hey can you invite me in? and they'd be like elena you can walk in the door and she'd be like it would be cute if you invited me in though <laughs> like it would be so obvious so then john wakes up from his death and he says hey um i didn't know isabel was gonna do that i'm really sorry yeah he's like that did take me by surprise as you guys might guess he said, yeah, I, I'm really sorry. I did not know I was going to be killed and betrayed by Isabel. I know what you're all thinking. I should have seen it coming. It was very obvious to all of you. I hear you. I didn't see that. I, I don't need you to tell me that. I won't appreciate it because I know. I, I know what you're going to say. I have to be honest. I'm feeling very embarrassed. <laughs> this has not been my favorite day. I mean, people aren't nice to me, but it's rare that people kill me. I, it has happened before. But it's rare. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Damon goes ready to like beat John up or something. And Elena says, hey, let him go. He and I need to talk. 
So then we go over to Bonnie's house and Jeremy took it upon himself to translate the warnings since Bonnie was being cagey about it. He says, hey, um, this is a lot more dramatic than you made it sound. And Bonnie's like, well, (laughs) he says, you know, it says if you use too much of your powers at once, it'll kill you. Hey, how much of it is it going to take to kill an original? And she says, all of it. (laughs) Yeah, every every last bit. And he says, nope. And Bonnie says, do you think I was born with these powers so I could float a bunch of feathers? And Jeremy's like, kind (laughs) of. And she says, you know, I was called to do this. I want to help. And Jeremy says, you're not called to get yourself killed. Plus, Elena's not going to let you die for her. And Bonnie's like, yeah, so you're not going to tell her I'm planning on doing this. Like, come on. Yeah, she's like, hey, if Elena was ready to sacrifice herself, why can't I be? And Bonnie says, you know, it isn't just for Elena. It's for everyone. If I'm the only one who can put an end to all of this, then it's my decision how I handle it. And Jeremy is upset, but even he has to admit that she's right. It is kind of her decision because she's the one witch they have. Well, yeah, what are they going to do? Like, if they end up in a situation where Klaus is there, like, no one can stop her from doing this. Like, if she Mm -hmm. wants to kill him and use all her power and die, like, they can't really prevent that if she chooses to do that and it comes to that. Yeah. Like, they can try to convince her not to, but if she's in a room with Klaus, the damage will be done. Then... We go out to the street outside the Forbes house where Matt gets into a cop car with the sheriff. And he says he did what she told him to do. Fucking snitch. Yeah. He says he drank vervain. He got Caroline to tell him everything and then asked her to compel him. Snitches get stitches. Matt Donovan, once again, proving he absolutely sucks. See, um, you know, I haven't liked Matt Donovan this whole time. But I always was like, it's kind of funny that the whole fandom hates him because he's like just kind of unlikable. Like he hasn't done yeah. anything like super unforgivable, you know, like, but I was like, I don't like him. But it's, I was like, it's funny that everyone came to the same conclusion. And then I saw this. I was like, oh, OK, well, th- that's why we all hate him so fucking much. Yeah, I would say this is the moment where people really start to turn on Matt and we'll see if he does anything else over the course of the show. I mean, if he already did this, I can't imagine he's going to get better. Yeah. Asshole. The sheriff says, you know, thank you. I know this isn't easy, but I'm happy you told me this. And I want you to tell me everything that Caroline said. This is a smart move by the sheriff. And it is about time the sheriff learned about Caroline again. I mean, I don't blame the sheriff for this. I do blame Matt. Well, yeah, I don't blame the sheriff for wanting to know this. And it seems like the way this has shook out that Liz was getting suspicious of Caroline. Yeah. Because I don't know that she would have like gotten here on her own or that she was getting suspicious that there were other vampires in town anyway i mean and matt bringing up the vampires with vicky i mean it's unclear we have to assume caroline told him that stefan and damon are vampires yeah i think we do have to assume that that just seems obvious so then here comes the sheriff again say what you will she's good at her job hey this was actually very good police work on her part (laughs) yeah matt says he feels like caroline died and the sheriff says well she did yeah, like she she medically did. <laughs> yeah. So then we go over to the Salvatore house where John and Elena are having a little sit down. And John says, I always knew Isabel and Catherine were close, but I never realized they were working against me. Oh, man. Sad. He was down bad. Yeah, <laughs> he was down terrible. I think he knew he was down pretty bad. And then this happened and he was like, oh, I was really, really down there. <laughs> He's like, I can see now why no one wants to work with me. It's becoming clear. 
He's like, okay, yeah, maybe I am an idiot. (laughs) Maybe I'm dumb. (laughs) Yeah, he says, you know, Isabel and Catherine are two of the world's most selfish vampires, but they were genuinely friends. And Elena says, hey, if you think that Isabel is one of the world's most selfish vampires, why did you trust her? Yeah, great question. And he says, you know, I was there the day she gave birth to you, the day that she was heartbroken to give you up. She was the first girl I ever loved. And I honestly believed when she said that she wanted to keep you safe, that that's what she wanted. John, you know, he realizes he's fucked up pretty bad. And he says, you know what? Honestly, at this point, I will do whatever you want, Elena. If you want me to leave, I will leave. And he starts to get up because he figures that she wants him to leave. Yeah, he's like, that's probably what the answer is going to be. And Elena says, you know, John, you screw up everything. Everything you touch falls apart. And he just is like, yeah, sounds like me. He's like, yeah, your point. (laughs) She says, but you're the only parent I have left. So maybe I can learn not to hate you. And he has the biggest smile on his face because that's the nicest anyone's ever been to him. She said, you know, maybe if I work really hard, I can possibly not hate you. And he was like, oh, you're making me blush. (laughs) He says, oh my God, that's sweet. That's really sweet. He's like, that is so sweet of you. You didn't have to say that, but I'm so happy you did. This poor man. Meanwhile, the boys are decompressing, having a little bourbon. That's what boys do. And so Damon has heard from Bonnie. He says that the spell worked and Bonnie's locked and loaded with all the power they need. And Stefan says, great, at least something went right today. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, we got one. And then Stefan makes a discovery. He says, hey, Catherine had no idea that Bonnie got her powers back. And Isabel had no idea what you guys were doing today. So Bonnie is literally our secret weapon. And they're like, oh, hell yeah. So they cheers. They're like, finally, we have something secret. Do you think this will stay a secret? I doubt it, especially if Bonnie's going to make a thunderstorm happen every once in a while. (laughs) It's going to start getting suspicious. I think it'll be a secret for a little bit. I think at the very least, people will learn she has her powers back. Whether they know the full extent of her powers, I think that could stay a secret. Well, one thing I want you to remember, which we're about to get to, is... One of Damon's closest allies, who he would normally tell something like this, has been compromised. That is a good point. But let's discuss that before we get into this. We end the episode in a location we later learn is a Lurk's apartment. Klaus's witch is doing some chanting. There's a man sitting in a chair getting the spell done. There's like blood coming into his body, whatever, whatever. Yeah, there's like these vases with like tubing blood. And Catherine wakes up and sees this and she's like, hmm. Catherine realizes her daylight necklace is gone. We see that the guy in the chair who's getting the spell done on him is Alaric, which makes sense because earlier in the episode, Alaric was kidnapped by this witch and we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, we saw him get kidnapped and then nothing else. So, you know, probably nothing good. So then he wakes up, pulls out the needles and stands up and turns around and looks at Catherine. And Catherine says, Alaric? Because that's not who she expected to see. She tries to run, which you can't blame her for trying, but naturally she is trapped in the apartment, similarly to, we can assume, the tomb spell. Alaric says hi to Katarina in some kind of Germanic language. Yeah. And he says he missed her, and Catherine quickly realized it is Klaus. So there's a lot to unpack here. Number one, why is Klaus in Alaric's body? Is this temporary? What does this mean? Let's talk about it. I have a couple of thoughts. 
Mm-hmm. One, I was thinking, you know, why choose a lawyer for this? I don't know if that's the best call. Like, is there someone else to take advantage of? But he's probably the best of the human men to take advantage of. I mean, I don't know this about Klaus, but I'm going to guess he wanted a man's body. Yeah, that sounds right. Not to say he's homophobic or anything, but... No, but I'm assuming that he does not want to deal with gender dysphoria as well as this. Yeah, on top of all this. And I think he needs to infiltrate this group and find out some stuff. I think Alurk is not necessarily the best choice to get as much information as possible. Like, Jamie might have been a better option, but that would have been harder to pull off. Bonnie would have been like, why do you have a German accent? And they would have known Jeremy was gone all day. Yeah, that's the question of whether he can go in and out of the German accent, which we have to assume he can. I think he was doing the German accent to really fuck with Catherine a little. But I think Alok is also in this situation where he's been through quite a bit. Isabel came in, fucked shit up. The Jenna situation, like he's not necessarily as plugged into some of this stuff. Like he might not necessarily hear the stuff about Bonnie right away. Alok's a good choice because no one's like calling him because he's been gone all day. Yeah, no one knew he got kidnapped. Yeah. Like he was just out and about. So here's my question also. Why do you think Klaus chose to be in Alaric's body? Do you think he can't use his own body or that it's purely strategic to try to infiltrate this group? I think it's to try to infiltrate the group. I mean, he could in theory do it in his own body because again, none of these people know what he looks like. It's worthwhile to keep what he looks like a secret. And also he comes to town, everyone's going to start scrambling because they're going to be like, oh my God, Elena's about to die. Yeah. Or Jeremy will start thinking, oh my God, Bonnie's about to die. Or like all this stuff. I think he wants them to be in a position where they feel very confident they can take him on. And then he can kind of take that away. The element of surprise is useful here for him. Yeah, it's useful and he can get some extra information because, you know, Isabel's out. That's one line of information that's gone. John was connected to Isabel. And he's like, you know what? This is my chance to take Catherine and really get some revenge on her. So now she's not getting information. So now I need to find some other way to kind of just keep an eye on what's going on. Like he might not even be trying to go and find secrets. Like he probably is honestly not that threatened by this in the grand scheme. But I think he wants to get an understanding of like what he's coming into. And like, if I just take the doppelganger, Who's going to fight me on that? And he doesn't know Elijah's dead, but he could figure that out. And if he sees Elijah's dead, it's just safe for him to not be like out and about yet. Yeah. Plus, whether this is how it goes or not, if Alok was like, oh, Elena, come with me. We're like going somewhere. And then you bring her to the sacrifice spot. That would be a lot easier than kidnapping her because she'd be like, oh, I'm going to this thing with Alok. And everyone's going to be like, oh, cool. Safe. Like me and Alurk are going to go talk to Jenna, right? And then uh, bada bing, bada boom, she's sacrificed. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a logistical question. Do you think Klaus being in Alurk's body changes what might be needed to kill him? Do you think you can kill him like a human if he's in a human's body? That is a question I was thinking of because as we know, Alurk doesn't have his ring right now. Of like, if someone were to kill Alurk, would he bounce back even without the ring? I don't think this would kill Klaus if they tried to kill Alaric because I think it's essentially a step up of like a tethering type spell. Like when they try to hunt someone down, like I think he's just like tethered into Alaric somehow because I'm guessing that Klaus is like wherever Klaus's physical self is, is just kind of laying while this is happening. Like, I don't think he can be both the people at the same time. Okay, makes sense. I mean, that means essentially... 
Klaus is now in Mystic Falls. Yeah. So that's going to have huge ramifications, obviously. And next week, a little teaser for everyone. We're having another decade dance, baby. It's about time. I would love if it's a decade dance and it's like the 40s and Klaus comes as a lurk and he thinks it's like the 1640s and he's like, fuck, we're already on the 2000s. Like, (laughs) that would be funny. Just a, a cute little bit that could potentially happen, but probably won't. <laughs> Just think it would be funny. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's it for this week. As always, if you are enjoying Doppelgangers or the Vampire Diaries, please feel free to recommend both to your friends. And if you're really liking it, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast to keep up with us through the week. That's it for this week. For now, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.